Right. Ask me how I'm feeling. How, how are, are you, you feeling, feeling, Steph? Fucking hell. Fucking hell. Uh, I that, am... that great, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely chipper and son's lumber company. I am hurt <laughs> physically. I I am a few days removed, set quite a few days removed now, from the single worst bump I've taken in my wrestling career to date. That includes the first bump I ever took, um, which had inevitable whiplash, because you're not used to, like, tucking your, your chin at that point, and your kind of neck isn't sort of bolstered for it. I include that. I include... The Tom and Jerry bump I did at my very first UK match where I held a hammer above my head and then got hit with a hammer and then fell back flat like Tom and Jerry, which looked brilliant, but had some whiplash too. I, you know what, I'm even going to include the one that dislocated my shoulder and everything I did in the Kid Bandit match. I took a second rope power bomb. So I was up on the second rope about to do that fancy elbow drop I do. And then I was grabbed by the legs by three other girls who powerbombed me. And I've taken that move before, taken that bump before. But this time um, I just let go a little bit too late and landed really high up to put a load of impact on my neck and my skull and just accordion the body really bad. And I have a bruise the size of my outstretched palm on my thigh, which I'm sort of pleased with. I didn't realise how far back it was. So it was... And I've never had a bruise before that hurt so bad I couldn't put weight on my leg. But that's how bad it was. When I came home after the show, I the pain radiated so far up. It reached the anus. Woo. Like, I felt like my a-hole had been cleft in twain. My negative space sliced through. Really bad. But yeah, the bruise is sort of a bit more towards the back of the thigh, and it is every shade of purple and red you could imagine. And that was from a different pump, because I took all of the worst bumps in this match. I was sprawled out on concrete at one point, because, uh, well, at two different points. Uh, so concrete bumps, What the thing I said I'd never do. And then I took a, an apron bump, which is, you know, Conrad, is the hardest part of the ring. Absolutely, yes. I have heard that many times. Having finally taken a, an apron bump, a face-first apron bump, I might add, that landed a bit more towards the side, hence the thigh, because the thigh ended up at the furthest edge you could get to. I think it's a bit of a blur, but I think it bashed into the very corner edge. That that the 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 point of the right angle. Mm. Um, and the thing about the ring apron is it's far from the center, where there is absolutely no give. It's the least amount of give the ring has. Right under there, you've got some padding and you've got like the wooden board. And after that, it's just the metal frame. Right. Unlike the middle, which still, you know, is a ton of impact. Like, it's not a fucking trampoline. But it's got more give, so it doesn't just stop you dead. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, I expected that bump to be not quite as harsh as it was anyway, because I intended to bump kind of cleanly on the apron and then sort of bounce a little to hit the floor. And instead, I just kind of went, it felt like more I went through the apron straight to the floor. Um, so instead of this nice gudunk splat, it was gudunk And I didn't win. Oh. oh, adding insult to injury. Insult to injury. Right. I'm so... I hurt so much. My everything hurts. Hmm. Oh, how is everybody else? I'm no longer dying quite so much. That is I'm good. probably going to cough enough that, like, you know, it's going to be some editing in, in, in post, but I, I can hold a conversation now without feeling like my throat is exploding. That's which good. is good when a big part of your job is talking to the internet. Yes. Oh, you ain't gonna stop me talking this time. Oh, I'm gonna have so many opinions. Ooh. The internet's been talking to me. Yeah. Yeah. Because of that podcast I was on. Oh, the, 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 the... Yes. Windbreakers. Yeah. The, uh... Apparently, the right wing of uh, the gamer <coughs> spectrum mm. uh, took great offense to. Oh, hang on. Is this you saying you being pregnant? Tell me it's you the, being pregnant. It's me <laughs> being pregnant. It's oh the young guys. They have taken massive offense. I have to cop. I knew this was coming because I uh, my phone has been acting ridiculously stupid lately, just resetting all the time because the power button is malfunctioning. So I bought an Amazon Fire HD tablet for $40 to replace all of the functions of my phone that I actually use with the exception of the ability to make calls. And so hmm. I was setting up subscriptions on the and not YouTube application that I use to watch YouTube videos. <laughs> yeah. And so I was searching your name to subscribe. Oh, and the man. autocomplete went to Jim Sterling pregnant. And I was like, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> that hit. So do I tell. didn't realize it was to the point of autocomplete. Oh, yes. Fucking hell! Oh like, yeah, it's 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 fun when you when you get auto completed to certain things. Um, there was a point, and I don't know why it happened when it did, but it was about a year after I had lower surgery, where just out of nowhere, my name started auto completing Laura Dale vagina. Oh, and that just became an auto complete result, and it, like it didn't lead to anything. No one was gonna find my vagina by clicking that. Yeah, but. <laughs> Apparently that was a very in demand search for like a brief Can you period of time. If your vagina just pigged every time someone searched for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So sometimes when I complete, just just like that. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately, I've had a fair bit of harassment. Um, yeah. Like I, the podcast went great. Uh, the chat, the actual Second Wing community, I need to stress, has been so welcoming and, like, accepting and has made me feel, like, so loved. And the moderation on the comments on that must be fucking incredible. Yes. Because there is not a whiff of anti-trans sentiment in there. Yeah, not they a have a whiff. great mod team. Um the one I know best is Haley from the Discord, who mods for them, who has on her own been lovely, like just sent me some really lovely messages of support. But yeah, yeah, like there was very little 
hate speech or insulting shit in the live chat. Mm-hmm. But like, I didn't look at it just in case, especially sure. because I'd published a video about the wizard game that day. But Thee said like, the very few they saw got taken like that, just gone. And, you know, once certain twats got hold of me talking about the young, strong, sturdy baby Borkis, I mean, for them to take offence at, at such an absurd scenario. Um, but yeah, once they got that, then there was a lot of uh, drive-by comments and the dislikes on the video, like, exploded, which, oh, yeah. whatever, they show up the same to the algorithm. It's all engagement. Um but yeah, Nick at Second Wind said that their mod team has been really good at... And it's not been too bad for them, um, but they have made sure nothing sticks. And they were very supportive, and Nick was like, Steph is welcome on any time and, and everything. So, you know, back to me, um, which is nice. But I think I think the reaction to Borkis, and I realise I'm sort of monologuing quite a bit to start this, but... I, the thing that was very illustrative about the response to Borkis was, <clears throat> I've called him Borkis and they're upset. I think it shows just how deep I've been in sort of queer communities and how all of my social life is almost, one. I think, 100% queer now. Like, that's my entire social life. Um, in real life, you know, every friend group i have is all queer same and my online following yeah yeah uh yeah i i i i have this thought every now and then where i'm like i i have surrounded my entire social circle is just there's there there's there's the gays there's my disabled friends and my friends who are some combination of the two yeah that's 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 the whole circle and i think it's definitely sort of altered my perspective because uh, to me, the whole Borkis saga is yeah. fun and sort of a funny experience um, of being on HRT. Uh, just <clears throat> you know, it's it's a it's silly, but it is what it is, and it's science at the end of the day, like. That's what it is to me on a serious level. It's just a side effect of a thing. So to me, I've got... I see nothing wrong with talking about it. I, I literally see nothing wrong. I didn't anticipate people taking that level of offence to it. I guess I'm just not clear on what there is to be offended by. Well, this is a thing that comes with time, is... People will will find ways to get upset about any of these things. And for something like this, I imagine it probably comes down to but that that means acknowledging that biology is slightly more complicated than I learned when I was six, and therefore I'm angry at the suggestion. Yeah. That's what it basically boils down to is you're suggesting that bodies might do things that aren't as simple as boy slash girl that is dichotomy. And therefore, I am angry because you make me feel yeah. silly because that's not how I learned it. Do these people not fart? Like, do they <laughs> do they not fart? Like, does yeah, their body do. not do silly, weird shit from time to time that they can't provide an immediate explanation for? I mean, they've got evidence 
of farting because it comes out their mouths and then they make YouTube videos with the noises. If it were TERFs, I'd understand. Because then they'd accuse me of appropriating pregnancy. Something like that. Like, it's a very serious thing and, and you shouldn't be having fun with your side effects. Was that like stolen valor? Like <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> it, 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 it becomes all part of their whole woman face thing. Oh. Where, <laughs> yeah. I've been accused of woman face so many fucking times. Oh, yeah, no, that that's that's just part and parcel. Um, still get accused of being a pervert that enjoys beating up women, uh, and that's why I wrestle in women's divisions. And yeah. I get that when it's me versus another trans girl, which that makes me laugh. So yeah. desperate to, like, have a go at me. Um, and yet... But, Despite yeah, saying we it, can always tell. Uh, aren't these the same people who would, like, try to diminish your accomplishments by saying that wrestling is fake? Yeah, well, it depends who it is. Um, <laughs> if someone wants to just insult the the wrestling, they'll talk about how I haven't really achieved anything because it's all, like, fake and everyone decides who wins and all of that. Uh, and then if they want to be transphobic, suddenly gender is fake, but wrestling is real. Amazing. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was, it was from what I can tell, because I don't watch those videos about me, but from what I gather, from what I've heard people like talk about on um, sort of in the Second Wing community and that is, it is gamers, like the right wing gamer set. So I don't know why they're getting involved. It's because they they want gaming to be a very specifically just for them, and anyone who is not straight, white, cis, able-bodied man is mm, you're encroaching. Don't mm, don't like you having fun in my space. And then I guess there's the usual. Oh, it's all they ever talk about. Like they make it their personality and all of that. Like I get that on videos where I don't mention that stuff once. Yes, your existence is too much acknowledgement. Yeah. Etc. So, how dare I like go into detail? Because, um, of course, these people don't have any details. They Everything they know about trans people, they know from knee-jerk reactionaries. So I guess talking about anything detailed about hormones, outside of the very basic, like, got tits, ha-ha... I guess is too squicky for them. I guess that's what it is. They're squicked out and they don't know how to process that. So they do what they normally do and just turn it into anger. So I've had a bit of a week. I realised I brought it back to myself. I apologise for that. But it has been a lot going on. That's all right. Yeah. Well, uh, welcome to Podquisition. We we sometimes talk about video games here. That's the thing we sometimes we get do. round to it. We get round to it. We get round to it. I I played a shit ton of stuff this week. You have. I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna jump in and and, and talk about some some things. Yeah. I've been playing some really interesting little games this week. I want to start by talking about a really really interesting RPG that I I think is really something quite special that I want to recommend to people. Uh, that recently released. It's called In Stars and Time. The pitch for this is pretty simple. You are a member of an RPG adventuring party. You're 
not the person who's like got the magical ability where you're the destined savior one that like you're you're not the protagonist of this RPG that's going to go save the world. You're like the third out of four party members they picked up on the way. Oh. Um yeah, and you're you're this little wizard who happens to be a party member and this game starts about 24 hours before the before the the end of the world. You've uh, a picture this is something like Ocarina of Time. You've gone and got all the medallions and all the sacred stones and you've like you've gotten to Ganondorf's castle. You're kind of ready for the final dungeon. Yeah, and it's like it's now or never because like within 24 hours from now the big bad is going to successfully end the world. So you got to you got to go defeat him now before he end, stops the world. He's he's got this weird curse he's doing where he's like freezing people in time so that they're getting like stuck in time there's this sadness spreading across the world and you get to the big bad's castle and the short version is you are not fucking ready for the big bad you are not strong enough to beat the big bad you fucking die Mm. and then you wake up at the start of that day again and none of the rest of your party members remember that you've done this before you are in a little time loop and the idea here is that you are, like, none of the rest of your party members can gain experience because they don't fucking remember what happened previously in the loop. They don't remember the fights they've already done. Their, their progress is pretty stuck where it is. You have a little bit of that Majora's Mask-esque thing of there is a town that is the town before the big bad and people there have their own little lives going on that might be relevant to later time loops. Uh... A basic example of this, I found a door in the big castle that I don't know the password to get through the door, but some we worked out someone back in town does know it, so if I start the time loop back from the start, I can go ask them, get the password, go a little further ahead. And you're basically trying to change things enough through this little time loop system to eventually be able to beat the big bad. There's a lot of things I like about this in terms of its like quality of life, given that it's a, it's a time loop. It lets you hold down a button to skip through conversations if party members are saying things they've already said to you before, and you can just skip ahead to where things change or where you've got to make dialogue choices. You don't have to start the loop from the same place in the loop every time. Uh, You either start from the very beginning of the loop, or any time you find a new save point, that's a new place that you can like start the loop from that point. And there are things you pick up along the way that will sort of help you remake the progress that you've made if you start from early in the loop. Things like... Uh, you might find an equipable thing that's like, hey, if you go to a locked door that you've already found the key for in the past, if you've got this thing equipped, it'll just tell you where the key was so you fucking remember where to get it from. And there is definitely, like, degrees of change going on in, in this loop. You can use knowledge from past loops to change things going forward. But it is this little adventure of how do you deal with this weirdly isolating experience of you know the futility of any individual loop you're in, but not like you can try and explain it to the people you're adventuring with, but they're going to forget it and you're going to have to explain it to them again. Is it even worth the effort to do that while you're doing this little RPG adventure? I love this. Yeah, it's a really fucking fun idea. Mechanically, the combat system is very simple, but I like what they're doing with it. There is a rock, paper, scissors, and it's literally rock, paper, scissors, um, weaknesses and strengths system for certain attacks and enemy types, and enemies will somewhere in their design sort of signify usually what their type is. Early on, it's very simple things like you look at the enemy's hand and they've got two fingers out. It's like, ah, that's scissors. I, I should be using rock attacks on them. 
it uses one of those like active time battle systems where like a bar fills up and when when it fills up you uh you can do your attacks. There's ways to either sort of speed your team's bars up or slow the other team's bars down or if your character doesn't have a move that has the right type advantage you can like give up your turn to give a different player skip them to the front of their their time bar things like that. Mm. And you have a bunch of uh, special abilities per character that aren't governed by like a magic point system. They just have a cooldown. So if you want to use an ability, you can use it whenever you want, but it's a certain number of that that character's turns before they can use that ability again. Um, and you can sort of cheat that system a little bit by getting a character to th- pass their turn back to the person who you're trying to like speed back to their ability. So like uh, a good example of this, one of your party members is a healer, and I think there's like a three turn cooldown. But if you want to get back to doing a big heal again, you just get the rest of your party to pass their turn to the healer, because then that takes the healer's counter down one again. And within one round of combat, you've already gotten, like, no one else did anything, but the healer can heal again. Hmm. And that sort of, like, party interplay is really fun. I also really appreciate, in terms of this time loop system, that uh, there are certain things that, that do persist between loops. Equipment that you equip to characters can be brought through through the loops. Uh, so there is a little bit of progression there. And if you do a bunch of, like, random battling, your party members will gain experience and level up. And if you save at a certain save point, so, like, let's say I made it to the second floor of the castle and I save there and my party members have leveled up, like, two or three times, if I restart the loop on death from that point, the game will go, I will assume you did exactly as much grinding on this new loop to get back here, and they will start from that level of levelling up. Oh. So, like... If you start your loop from a little way in, it will give you the most generous assumption possible of the state you reach that point in. That the so I'm actually speechless. Like they, they, these these ideas are brilliant, right? And it, it's so well thought through in terms of like not um, not overdoing the amount you have to redo, yeah. but being like. Hey, we're we're gonna assume if you restart from like partway in a loop, you did everything optimally from your past loops to get back to that yeah. point. Well, one of the things I hate a lot is pushing their clever idea over and above the end user experience. Yes, obviously, I've talked about Zelda and the weapon like durability mm. and all sorts of other things. I hate when a game inconveniences the player to push an idea. I, I understand reinforcing ideas through mechanics, but like there's a, there's a compromise to be made, and I hate it when games don't do it. Maintaining the idea of the loop and not retaining experience, but having enough anti-frustration sort of features built in to keep the idea alive, but make sure you keep the experience and don't get demoralized. That is brilliant. Yeah, it, it's such a neat way to balance it, because it means if you start... like. Let's say that example I gave earlier. There's a door, I need to get through a locked door, I don't know the password. I'm going to have to start from the very beginning of the loop to go to the city to find that person and restart the loop. If when I do that, I go, I'm going to make sure that this loop, I do fucking everything I currently know how to do, and I do a bunch of grinding, and I go to that save point, I've created a point that, like, later on in the game, that stuff's locked in. I did all that, and that's a point. I I can choose to restart from all of that progress locked in if I want to restart from there. And that is really nice. Um, The other thing I really appreciate this is the consistency of how the narrative 
interacts with the fact that like you are going knowingly through this loop and f- having some fun interplay with the different ways you're going to do things. And I want to give like an early example that kind of stuck with me, which is the first time through, there is a context given for you doing a tutorial on combat. And the context for that is your like chosen one in the party is very fucking nervous about this. Like, really, really has built this up and is like, I know I know how to fight, but like, I'm every thought has gone out of my head because we're hearing the big bad and I'm panicking. And, you know, the party agrees, like, yeah, we'll do the tutorial as like a we've got this all straight in our head. We know how to do these mechanics. Second loop through, I obviously said, nope, we'll skip the mecha- the tutorial. We know exactly how to do this. And it let me skip the tutorial but there was a consequence of some dialogue changed and that character stayed a little nervous in a way that they wouldn't have done had we done the tutorial for them. And it's a thing where I'm thinking, it's not making a big difference now, but maybe at the end of the game when I go, I have all the things I need to get to the final boss, I'm going to do a loop where I maybe just redo the tutorial on that final loop so that she's in a better headspace. Like, I'm doing it for her, not for me. Hmm because I'm going to want her in the best headspace when we get to that final boss. It's one of those, it's not forcing me to redo it every loop, but I can see the consequences of not doing it, and there might come a time where I know that I have to go back and redo it for her. And that kind of interplay of narrative and the choices you make around what you do and don't redo in a loop is really neat. I'm like maybe three hours into this game, and it's already... I didn't want to put it down before recording today. I am so fascinated by what this game is doing. It is really clever. I, it sounds brilliant. It's, uh, what's it called again? In Stars and Time. In Stars and Time. I'm just gonna make uh, sure I, I don't know what else it's on. I know it's on PC. I've been playing it on Switch. Oh! For some reason, my like I, I remember this shop graphic, like the cover art. Um... For some reason, mm. my my eyes kept glazing over it. Yeah, I I I was the same. I picked this up because I saw a TikTok in the end of someone talking about like what like the actual concept was. Yeah. Um, I do really like the art style, but again, I glazed over this in the eShop a couple of times. Yeah. And like, it's it is so worth paying attention to. I think. Um, it's it's art style is very like it's clearly trying to do like a Undertale Delta Rune kind of thing with how it it mixes sort of like pixel art, slightly wobbly line art, uh, and then like character portraits. The first loop is a little slow, and I understand why it's trying to establish a lot of groundwork before the loop thing begins, but I think this game's really special, and I, I, I really, really want to put more time into it. What about you both? Either of you played anything you want to talk about this week? Yeah, I mean, I've only played one thing. Um, Oh, well, no, I played a couple things. I guess I, I I got back into Loop Hero. Oh yeah, so you streaming that the other day? Yeah, and I, I didn't get, like I, I have, I think I have it on Epic, but I'm playing it on the Game Pass version because it popped up some months back and i saw it and i was like oh i should play loop hero again i installed it and i started up and do a few loops like once a week or something like that and but lately i've been playing it a fair bit more and i reached the point that i had played previously where i can get to the second expedition but my god there's so much in this 
Like mm-hmm. just it's I'm just constantly unlocking new elements and figuring out how pieces go together and that moment of tension where you decide whether or not you're going to attempt another loop is really, really good. Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> I've been tempted to re-download it as well because it is absorbing. Mm-hmm. But also something kind of passive at the same time that you could like not put all your focus on it, which is nice. Yeah, yeah like it's just got, it's it's easy to play and I'm not talking about difficulty settings. No, because it is a difficult game. Well, I think that's when I stopped at one point because I just felt like I could not break through a ceiling. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like I'd hit some sort of glass ceiling and I did not feel, I think it was this. Um, but yeah, I couldn't quite get past a brick wall that I felt I was at. I unlocked the Necromancer and love that character. That's mm. so much fun to play with because he summons little skeleton guys that do all of yeah. the fighting for you. And the statistics, the statistical difference in the equipment differences between characters is so interesting also. Like, I just got a card on my last run through that introduces an ancestral crypt. And it rewards you with hit points for killing enemies that have souls but you lose the bonus you would get to hit points from armor Hmm. but i'm playing the necromancer who doesn't wear armor so fuck yeah i'll take that thank you kindly just the little things like that the specificity with which you can build a deck to suit a character specifically with their strengths and weaknesses it's just a min maxer's dream it's deeply deeply satisfying and if, if people haven't played it yet it it's deceptively easy to get into because of how it rolls out its various mechanics and interplaying elements um and it's really satisfying when you discover one of them you know that first time you put a tile next to another tile and it changes something on the map specifically because of that combination you put together it it just feels thrilling makes you want to do more experimentation to see what else you can make happen great game people should play loop hero steph what about you i've played two things um i guess i'll lead off with dave the diver because even though i talked Hmm. about that a fair bit last week and the other one's new the other one is so full of not worth talking about so dave the diver my opinions have changed from last week Okay. So, Laura, you weren't here last week. I know you've played the game a lot. Yeah. I basically said that, like, I see why it's so beloved, and I see why many people are calling it a game of the year and all of that, but the loop wasn't doing enough to grab me. The Mm. routine of diving and then serving. I ended up always stopping playing. Like, every session ended when I was just like, oh, I can't be fucked to dive again. Rather than, I have had a satisfying time playing and it is now bedtime. That's where Mm. I was. My opinion over the past week has both increased and decreased in different (laughs) ways. I did get more hooked, so I have been playing it a lot more. The routine has reached a point of, I'm not loving it still, but it's a point of comfort now 
to where I am happily engaging with it rather than reaching a point where I'm like, oh, fucking hell, I can't do this again. Now it's reached that one more go kind of thing. The increased time spent with it has made parts of the game that were annoying fucking annoying now. It's a lot of little things like being too close to a wall and then trying to get something with the harpoon and rather than sticking the fish, it bounces off the wall. Mm. Or the amount of time... Like, I'm playing on Switch and it's hard enough because it, it requires such precision to nail a fish with the harpoon. So I'm already frustrated because I miss a lot. But the amount of times the harpoon has just gone through the fish, it hits it and it, it is traveling like almost square in the middle of the fish as it goes through it. But then it acts as if nothing got hooked. And it's not a case of me being overburdened, like having a full inventory. It just fails all the time. Huh. And that's really fucking annoying. I can see how that would be annoying. I didn't have that experience, and I I don't know what 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 would cause us to have such different experiences there. I, I that sounds like it sucks. Other things are just like when it really sort of makes combat happen at you. It's not brilliant combat, like really. And I really hate slowing down because um, you know the more you. The more fish you catch, the more stuff you pick up, the slower you go. And then when you are like trying to get to the surface and then a shark that you didn't see there before on the way down can swim faster than you and deal massive amounts of damage and fuck you over. It's just that's where it gets demoralizing. And I'm like, I've been down here for ages and now I can only take one thing. On that note... I don't fucking appreciate a game telling me to go here and do this thing and there is a monster there but you just have to like let the NPC know it's there which I figure is a case of I'm going to fight it at some point but this is just to like set up for it because the game's missions has a lot of that a lot of go do this thing and then you find out you've got to do several other things first so when it tells me there's a great white shark and all I've got to do is find where it is and then it forces me into a boss fight that seems to track you and swim faster or at least close a massive amount of distance with its attacks and it kills you in three hits. I don't appreciate that. And the other thing that I've noticed that is just like, doesn't affect me too much, but it is a bit shitty is the accessibility option, singular, mm. deliberately fucks you over if you need it. It's automatic button tapping if a fish is struggling. And it's only the button tapping. If you get a different type of harpoon and it makes you want to like rotate the stick or something, there's no option to make that easier. It's just the button tapping. And depending on your strength, like the, the strength of the harpoon relative to the fish... You can hold that down and fail because tapping is faster always. Well, mm, no. Well, uh, so here's the thing. That mechanic is not terribly well explained. And like, I, I don't disagree with you. I think it is bullshit that they don't, like the, the thing for turn off quick time events or automate them doesn't help for like the stick wiggling things. 
So the reason why holding it down will sometimes fail is that to reel in a fish with the harpoon, their health has to be low enough for it to get pulled in. If you try and harpoon them and like hold the button down and it doesn't successfully pull them in, that is because they still have too much health. If you then try and harpoon them again and hold it down, it will go further up the bar, it might catch them this time, because the harpoon hitting them took their health down, meaning that holding the button down will now increase it up, uh, like, increase it up further. Holding the button down will always, to my understanding, increase that bar to the maximum amount it would if you were mashing it. It won't go up faster by mashing it. But they don't do a good job of explaining why I held it down and that wasn't enough for it to pull in. Yeah. And then I did it again and it did pull in. That mechanic is really fucking poorly explained. Yeah, because I've never experienced the QTE failing when I've button mashed manually. That is, to my understanding, coincidence that is uh, has unfortunately played out. My understanding is holding it down will always do the maximum amount. It's just that sometimes the maximum amount isn't enough because the thing still has too much health. They shouldn't do that anyway. Because I've played this thing for like two weeks now, and this is the first I'm hearing about this, because every time I've tapped the button, it's worked. So I've had reinforced by the game over and over that once you see that QTE, they're in the bag so long as you fill the bar. I've been labouring under that impression until you've just said that. I mean, unless I'm wrong and I've misunderstood it on the other end and button mashing is faster, I don't... It doesn't explain some of its own mechanics terribly well. (laughs) Yeah. The fact that we have this confusion means that somewhere it has failed to explain a mechanic to us. And it... it, There's several things where that... Where I've had to, like, Google an item where I'm like, I'm not buying this until I know that this isn't, like... That this upgrade works the way it sounds like it does. It's not terribly explanatory at points. And a lot of it really is just like minor annoyances, but the frequency with which they appear. And I I, I find combat in general just very annoying. I hate... Sometimes it just feels like... A lot of the bigger ones that deal like any type of contact damage and also have attacks and can swim faster than you, depending. There are times where I just like, I'm not having fun with that. But... It has hooked me in many ways. After putting a lot of upgrades in, so I didn't feel like I was constantly under pressure, the diving stuff got a lot more enjoyable. It's not, like, fun fun, but it's got a sort of relaxing sort of thing to it when it's not pressuring you. But it did take a lot of upgrades. I found the early game fucking miserable half the time. Because you can carry so little and you run out of air so fucking quick. But, you know, I'm at the point where I've sort of dived to the, the... I think it's as low as you can go with enough air to... So long as I'm using air, like oxygen tanks on the way down. Getting down and up without too much hassle. But really, I I like the restaurant management side so much more. And it's rudimentary. I do wish there was a bit more. Because I love like all the hiring and training stuff and, and going from a sort of high pressure thing where you're trying to like carry menu items like from the chef to the customers and it reaches a point where like you can't serve them quick enough. 
But then once you get the staff in, train them up, and they are zipping along, it's very satisfying to reach that point. In a way, the diving wasn't. The struggle to get to the point where you're feeling like you're running a well-oiled kitchen, that's a really good payoff. And I like some of the sort of weird staff you can hire. Like, I've got a big... I'd say Jason Voorhees, though he looks more like the Splatterhouse guy. <laughs> like, work in the kitchen, and you can get, like, a ninja and things like that. That's cool. And the being able to sort of decorate the interior, because I'm a sucker for that kind of thing. Sort of decorating the restaurant, that's cool. I unlocked the fish farm today. And again, would have loved more to it than what I'm seeing, but... I like it. They 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 do a good job of introducing new things quite a ways into the game, but not in that annoying way you see in like RPGs where you've been playing for two hours and then there's a new mechanic that has a laborious fucking tutorial window that you've got to read uh, so mm. you'll forget it. It drip feeds less new, like whole new mechanics, but just expansions to what you're doing that does give you a, something a little different to do, but it's very straightforward and is often passive. Um, so that feeling of growth, they really nailed. Uh, not taken too much with the sort of story things they're throwing in. Uh, I tend to find it just hijacks the routine that I've gotten hooked on. So yeah, I have some quite strong positive and some quite strong negative yeah. opinions about Dave the Diver. I've got a couple of other games to chuck in here this week that and none of them are going to take a huge amount of time to talk about. I started playing another RPG this this week um, that is it's it's a it's a weird one. Um, it's called Knuckle Sandwich, right? And I'm going to explain the premise based on the first maybe half hour. I've moved to a new town, and I've struggled to find a job. The job centre tried giving me jobs such as space cleaner, dancer, bug exterminator. Didn't go well. I end up in a working in a greasy little burger shop that will hire fucking anyone. The first night I am working there, a man tries to murder me while I am taking out the trash, and I survive the turn-based battle, and the man dies, and the, the burger shop owner... Is like, well, we've got to do something about the fact there's a dead body in here and you fucking killed someone. Nibble, nibble, I'm just going to take a little bite on this hand. <laughs> That's actually quite fucking tasty. We're serving this dead man now. It's uh, <laughs> hamburgers. Nope, knuckle sandwiches. I just, I'm imagining the dialogue <laughs> being exactly as you've just described all this. It's, it's honestly not far fucking <laughs> off what I have described. Um... So I am now working in a burger shop where I don't want to be serving d dead man sandwiches, but the, my boss at the... That? Why isn't the game called I don't want to be serving dead man sandwiches? Yeah, so my boss is like, hey, 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 you, you, you don't want me to like go tell the cops that you murdered someone, right? Well, shut up about the fact I'm selling delicious dead man sandwiches. Uh, you go fucking sell my dead man sandwiches now. So, it is a weird little RPG. I don't entirely know where it's going right now. Um, but I can talk about some of the mechanical stuff it's doing. It is it is mechanically a fairly simple uh, RPG so far. It's a turn-based RPG. You have attack, you have like a, like a mana system, and you can use that for special attacks. But the thing that sort of makes it different is that it's got 
a shit ton of basically WarioWare minigames that are part of the combat system, that are seemingly unique to the enemy you are fighting. And it, it sort of reminds me of, like, you know how in Undertale, anytime you're trying to, like, avoid getting attacked, you have to, like, make the little heart avoid the little bullets? Yeah. Yeah. What, yeah, what if you had a, a shit ton of different little minigames like that, that, like, might be things like, uh, the guy's try- gonna try and punch you, use the analog stick to fucking move your head around on a big, long, bendy neck to, like, dodge the, the punches. What the or fuck? Shit like this. Um... And there's also a bunch of minigames built into, like, the job system. So, so far in the, like, trying to work this burger job, at first it was, like, here's a little top-down view of the restaurant, and I'm trying to remember which order is whose so I can pick them up and take them to the, the order numbers to the right people. The second time I was trying to make burgers with my long noodly arms, trying to, like, flip the burgers at the right time when they were, like, the right degree of cooked. Uh, in between weird surrealist RPG battles... A man just broke through a wall, screaming at me that my having killed that man was some kind of time anomaly, I think. And now I think time... I fucked up time somehow by killing this man and people are coming for me. I don't... That swerved. Yeah, this seems to be the story of a man whose life is on a bit of a roller coaster outside of his control and he's he doesn't want to be serving dead man sandwiches. Now, right now, I don't know whether this is like going to be an interesting game the whole way through or how much it's relying on lol so random and like not necessarily whether it has a plan of where it's going with that boston's favorite son basically yeah it's got very high energy and it feels like it's consistently like i had a fucking idea we're just, we're just going for it now i'm gonna very confidently go for that idea <laughs> and the adhd is having a great time with it even if i like i'm way too early to know whether this is actually a thing that's worth recommending I like what it does, like, occasionally you, you go into a weird dreamscape with, like, low-poly 3D models that's, like, very interestingly visually done. It seems like it mechanically has, like, a lot of different things to throw at you to keep keep things feeling fresh. I'm enjoying the fever dream that this is, <laughs> without knowing whether it's actually recommendable. The premise that you describe is incredibly similar to a game I played a few weeks ago and didn't bother talking about called Godlike Burger. Okay. This is more of like a roguelike thing, and it's actually more in the vein of like a Dave the Diver. Um, mm. But you have a restaurant, and you have to manage customer orders, you know, preparing the food items to yeah. their specifications with, you know, the appropriate meat. and They have to have meat, cheese... And or sauce in some combination, and you have to keep it warm. There's a whole, like, it is a, a big step-by-step process, and you have to keep track of all of your equipment because it breaks down, so you have to go over to it and hit it a bunch of times so that it'll start working again. And then while that's going on, you have customers that are just wandering around your places, and some of them are assholes, <laughs> and some of them are just there to eat. And you can go and kill any of them that you want as long as you can get away with, like, hiding the corpse or, you know, in the grinder to make more meat. And that's how you supply your restaurant, by using these alien corpses to make meat. And there's apparently a bunch of different alien species, and they have different likes and dislikes, and there's all these different planets you can go to. And if this sounds, like, overwhelming and entirely too complicated for this game, you are correct. 
it's just way too fucking much um godlike burger but this i might be into like i love the premise of godlike burger i just don't want to fucking play it yeah yeah whereas this like i am enjoying i'm definitely enjoying the moment to moment playing of it it's not overwhelming in that regard it's mainly just what 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 what, what i uh, okay yeah. I, I'm just sort of stumbling through it a little bit, but I'm enjoying that stumble at present. So yeah, I'm 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 gonna throw one screenshot into the uh, our, our little group chat to give you a sense of just okay the 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 degree of nonsense that is happening constantly visually. Um, okay, is is that, <laughs> is that are they holding a shirt in that frame while the dogs are flying and shooting? That is their that is their shirt. That's just their shirt they're wearing, okay. and their neck has gotten very long, and they're trying oh, to dodge bullets. Oh, okay. See, I yeah, that's not enough. Oh, oh, yeah, I <laughs> yeah. see it now. All right. Yeah, uh. this game's fucking wild, but it looked interesting, and reviews on Steam are like overwhelmingly positive. So I'm like, I, I'm gonna trust that it's going somewhere. I can definitely see the Undertale, like not just in terms of this combat, but like visual as well. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, you have brought two RPGs today, Laura, that I, I have to play. I'm quite happy with my RPG finds this yeah, week. Yeah, you have I think sold some... me on both of these. Hooray! Other than that, I've got a couple of other quick things to like just sort of rattle through. Um, I, I can leave some of these until until future weeks. The the main one I want to talk about is I've been playing around with a new bit of hardware this week. Um, I've been playing around with the Lenovo Legion Go which is Lenovo's, basically their Steam Deck competitor. Okay. And um, I can sum up what this thing is pretty quickly. It is, imagine if a Steam Deck, a bit of a bigger screen, bit bit more beefy, it ran Windows rather than Linux, and it had detachable Joy-Cons. Okay. That is that is most of the summary of this So thing. it's a Switch um, Deck. It, it's a Switch Deck. It's It's... I, look, it's it's a it is a pricey thing. I, they, these things are it, it's a, it's like seven hundred pounds for one of these. Fuck. They they are they're well, a fucking what? expensive little machine. This is not like Steam Deck is going to fucking win on price any any day of the week. If you want something that's actually fucking portable and not like this is a hefty thing in the hands weight wise. It is the thing that people want a Switch successor to be, but they don't because they don't want a Switch successor to cost this fucking price. Yeah. It is nice to be playing a thing that's a little bit beefier than the Steam Deck for, like, port... If you're someone that really likes portable PC gaming and wants to be able to, like, play stuff like Elden Ring and not have to go, okay, I put every setting on its lowest and it's still not running great, like, i got to look up a video to work out how to make this game run all right on Steam Deck. It's got that little bit of extra oomph to it. It is a Windows-based machine, and the main thing I've been really appreciating having this for is it can access fucking Game Pass... Which Steam Steam won't do. You get Steam Deck won't let you get get on Game Pass because that's through the Microsoft Store. Yeah. So having access to a portable machine that runs Game Pass and can handle modern Xbox releases on 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 a handheld is really nice. It's nice having a thing that has detachable Joy Cons, so you can just like put it put it up on a big screen if you want and casually sit with your controllers for it. One of the Joy Cons is a, is a vertical mouse. Oh, which is also a thing. Hmm. Um, you can just sort of 
stand it on a desk and it's got like the little IR like that my mouses have on the bottom of it and like the side buttons become your left and right mouse click so if you want to play a game like on a on on your TV that really requires a mouse but you want to be on the sofa playing it you can turn this into a wireless vertical mouse I respect that there's a lot of little design things about it that are really nice it has like um it has a kickstand that's a lot like the the Switch OLED, where it's like the whole back of the device is one big kickstand, and that's really nice. I can't recommend this to most people. Well, you said it was seven hundred pounds, so yeah. In in a world where the Steam Deck exists, for most people, the Steam Deck is the fucking thing to get. It's nice to have something a bit bigger, a bit beefier that can play Game Pass and has detachable controllers. But most people listening to this, you don't you don't fucking need it. If you don't have a Steam Deck, just get a fucking Steam Deck. It is a very niche set of people for whom this will be an enjoyable device, but it is not a device that anyone needs. But I've been having fun playing Game Pass stuff on it. The only other thing I'll talk about quickly this week is uh, I finished Yakuza The Man Who Raised His Name. Mm-hmm. Uh, very much enjoyed that game. Um... I respect the Yakuza series' willingness to have their big, strong, burly, punch-man protagonist have, like, a narrative that at some point involves him just having a real fucking ugly cry with, like, snot dripping down his face and, like, you know that proper, like, ugly cry? Fucking let more yeah. big, strong, manly protagonists have a good good old ugly, ugly cry sometimes when they have feelings. But I, I went back and I've been replaying Yakuza 0, because I want to do all the numbered Yakuza's properly in order in, in a big go, and Yakuza 0 really is rough around the edges. Yakuza 1 and 2 have had remakes in the form of Kiwami and Kiwami 2, and those do a good job of modernising those titles a lot from where they started. I think Yakuza 0, like the the earliest one in the series, is still a very enjoyable game and it's got a great plot, but, like, it feels rough around the edge. Like, you can feel mechanically that this is a bit of an old game, and it's clunky in the ways that a game designed uh, however many years ago now that hasn't really been updated kind of feels clunky. I'm enjoying going through it, knowing that I will never replay it. Yeah, anyone else played anything else I want to talk about? I don't have to spend too long on either of these. I might spend more on Deadly Premonition next week, but I have been playing Deadly Premonition again. The original. Interesting. I don't know if I'll if I can bring myself to play the sequel again, um, but I forgot to unsubscribe from Paramount Plus once the trial was uh, over because I got that to watch one thing. But it does have a lot on it, and one of those things is Twin Peaks. Ah, yes. And hmm. you know, I've talked about it on Jimquisition two weeks in a, in a uh, running. Uh, I well, it was finally... woven all through the most recent Jimquisition. <laughs> that it was. Uh, I finally got my way through the original run. And by that, I mean the original TV show. Seasons 19- one and two. 90... Yeah, seasons and you, one. And you watched all of season two. Yes. Congratulations. Uh, that right? is an accomplishment. Which I didn't make it that far last time. Nobody I've tried on. Th- <laughs> no. I've tried on three attempts to watch all of Twin Peaks. The first time was in the in the 2000s at some point I watched most of the first episode and that was that. Yeah. I watched the quite a few years ago now I made it a, a few episodes past the wrapping up of the Laura Palmer stuff. Mhm. 
probably around the same time everyone in the world dropped off. <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah, like I tell people, you can stop watching season two at around episode eight, and then you can skip to the last two episodes of the season, and you will have missed pretty much nothing. It does tread a lot of water, especially for something that doesn't resolve. Well, it, everything's completely unfocused without Lynch at the helm on that show. Yeah. Everyone's trying to to write stuff Lynch would write, and none of it feels right, and it just winds up going in a bunch of different directions without any sort of central focus to bring it yeah. back in. Like, Windermere is just stupid. Yeah. Just yeah. stupid. But, I, but at the same time, I love... I do love the interaction between him and um and and what's his name uh new shoes Leo Johnson Leo Johnson I love yeah. their interplay I love Leo so much that I will tolerate Wyndham Earl <laughs> I did like the Denise stuff in fact I want to do a video uh at some point comparing Deadly Premonition um especially Deadly Premonition 2 to yeah. Denise's appearances in Twin Peaks because for a guy who loves Twin Peaks so much he made Twin Peaks the unofficial video game mm. and nailed a lot of Twin Peaks's appeal, albeit in a weird way, by even these standards. It amazes me he got that one part so wrong when Denise I... <laughs> has some problems. Yeah. You know, it's from 1991. Yeah. But like, Denise is one of the better examples, particularly of its era, of a cis-created, cis-played trans woman character. James yeah. is a cop. <laughs> yeah. There is that. But I did <laughs> love the interaction between Audrey and Denise when, mm -hmm. like, the first time Audrey meets her, she's got this look of shock, but asks, they have female agents? Yep. Um, yep. And was, like, delighted. Mm. And, you know, there were some offhand comments in it that are a bit, eh. But the actual sort of the relationship between Cooper and Denise is great. Like that show in yeah. 1991, and like you say, Laura, like cis played, cis written, had a shining example of what you do when you dead name someone. Yeah. Cooper calls her by her dead name. She just says, Denise. And he says, Sorry. Denise. And yeah. then they carry on. It's not made a big, huge fucking scene, and I love it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And if you... Are you planning on going through the return? I do. I want to watch Firewalk with me, regardless you need to. of... Yeah, you absolutely yeah. have to watch yeah. Firewalk with me if you're going to watch the return. What has annoyed me, and the reason I mentioned Paramount Plus, is it doesn't have Firewalk with me. And it has the return, but it doesn't have Firewalk mm. with me, and it's not available at all on Amazon. I'll hook you up. I appreciate that because I feel like that's the recourse is for you to hook me up. Yeah. Because I'm not Googling where to find movies and things anymore. I'm fuck off. Yeah. If I've got to Google where it is, the amount of th like, like Britbox, I'm subscribed to that because it's got, it, it got a lot, either it got a lot better in the past couple of years or the shows available in America through it were incredibly restrictive. But, like, it's got a lower low on it, so I'm rewatching a lower low again. Fucking genius show. But that's got, like, like Blackadder Christmas Carol expires on Britbox in a couple days. It's still got the rest of Blackadder, but not the Christmas one. In December, that seems deliberate. <laughs> I fucking hate it. I hate what's become of media. But, yeah. 
yes, if you thought the representation was good in Twin Peaks season one, um, the return is unequivocal. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. For any problems with Denise in, in like, the, the original run of the show, the return does an admirable job of going, the fact that, that this character is being played by a cis man really isn't ideal, and we really, like, should have been aware of that back at the time, but considering that we're locked into this actor and, and like, the, the for this character, we know that we have to fucking step our game up and, like, do everything surrounding that casting immaculately wow. to, like, not come under fire. I would say David Lynch does everything short of looking directly into the camera and saying trans rights are human rights. Yeah. Except he practically looks at the camera <laughs> to effectively <laughs> say that. Yeah. They make the best of a bad situation and know that they have to, like, you can't fuck up if you bring this character back at this point right. in time. And I, I think they do a decent job with that situation. Well, I'm even more looking forward to it now. Good, because if you, if you, if you thought, if you thought Twin Peaks season two dragged, oh baby, oh yeah. baby, mm, it's delicious. I've heard mixed things. I know it's a very different type of show from what I've heard. I've not, I've tried not to learn too much about it beyond sort of what people have mentioned offhand. I really enjoy it, but I understand why it is divisive. Yes, I completely understand why why it's divisive. And the reason is, is that the audience has an expectation. And Lynch mm. is not obliged to meet that. Mm. That's not his responsibility as an artist. His His role is to make the art that he wants to make. And if you're on board with that, great, have fun. And and if you're not, fuck you. <laughs> like, it's really what it comes down to. And I respect it so much because it is a series that developed such a, a second life and su uh, got such a, an entrenched fan base that really, really wanted something specific out of it. And that was going to be deeply personal to everybody. There were certain common threads that every, you know, a lot of people wanted, certainly. And I don't think Lynch acquiesced to any of them in the course of the return. The entire series, I'm sitting there watching it, smiling with just utter glee at the mm -hmm. knowledge that David Lynch is doing exactly what the fuck he wanted to do with this. Consequences be damned. And I, oh, it, it's wonderful. I really like Terrific. The Return. Well, I'm looking forward to that, then. You might hate um, it, if I'm honest. <laughs> I might. I might. But I've got to see it through. Yeah. You know, I've, I really did enjoy Twin Peaks. You know, I watched it after Deadly Premonition. Sure. The first attempt was before it. Um, but the second one, where I watched all of the sort of relevant stuff before it, went off the rails. Always liked it. I love the melodrama of it. Mm -hmm. I am always entertained by that. Love the the characters. It is a shame that it went so off the rails because there's some good ideas there. Mm -hmm. Like I was invested in Ben Horn as a character enough that the whole him trying to be good arc, I liked. Mm -hmm. I liked that. And the, the whole kind of not being sure if he's 
sincere or if he is just trying to like fuck the ghostwood development they did it really well because he is so believably trying to do good but if there was some twist it would but it's it's amazing how it does like go in so many different directions but lacks the complexity of of the stuff that came before it yes because the stuff that came before it one of the things i love was the sheer like the people talk about fucking game of thrones like the politicking and backstabbing in twin peaks is fucking delightful everyone's fucking everyone and that was the beauty of the way that show was designed and and you hear lynch talk about it in in interviews and the point of the show was yes you have this central mystery but it's really about all the ancillary characters and their little mini dramas like yeah there's an inciting incident that is at the center of everything and you can always come back to that to pull out new story threads until you resolve that mystery and that's what fucks the show that's one of my favorite sort of narrative constructs like Mm -hmm. that is possibly my favorite I've described it before as sort of there is this sort of big fantastic scenario that's happening, but it's in a world where all the other characters are just as fucking weird or fascinating in their own way. Mm-hmm. I always bring up Brain Dead, the old mm. Peter Jackson splatter mm-hmm. film, mm-hmm. where it's like the zombies, especially those ones, are fucking wild and out there. And yet it's still taking place in the same world as this, like, Nazi doctor vet and the fucking uncle and the kung fu priest, where the cast around the weird idea are all eccentric in their own way. And that's what I love in... And and I'll tell you what, as well, what I also like about Twin Peaks, I like it for the, the exact same reason I like Yakuza as a series Mm. it has that perfect blend of this is really fucking serious and dark yet we can immediately follow that up sometimes in the same scene with something so fucking silly or 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 straight up stupid like for this to have the fucking tragic and and disturbing story of Laura Laura Palmer to have that take place in the same world where there's just a scene where they go through a uh, uh, one of those flappy opens both ways doors and it just doesn't stop flapping and they're having their scene behind it like brilliant and that is my deadly premonition section <laughs> I don't need to talk about the game. I'm happy that we talked about the show. I can't wait to to hear your thoughts on the return now that you've said all of that. Like, yeah. 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 I'll tell you what. Buzz me over Firewalk with me, uh, and I'll get that watched and jump right in. Yeah, because I, I, – and I'm, I'm midway through a rewatch of The Return also. Um, Linda's just so bored by it that it's it's hard to push her along to, to finish right. it, you know. We've got, I think, mm. four – five episodes left we're, we're we're close but you know not everybody loves dougie jones the way i do and uh you know that's just the way it is but i'm 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 dying to talk with you about it because there's some kind of fascinating metatextual stuff going on mm. and like uh, media critique oh, embedded in this. That? 
Yeah, so I I'm, I love that shit. Yeah, looking forward to seeing what you what you think of it. Okay. Uh, well, I played one other thing that I should probably mention because if I don't yeah. mention it this mm-hmm. week, I will forget to mention it again, and it is really interesting. Um, it's called mm-hmm. Leica Aged Through Blood. Okay. This came out in October, and I'm going to give you four descriptors for it. Okay? Mad Max, Furries, Metroidvania, Excitebike. Okay. <laughs> that was a nice little twist at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- uh-huh. It is a Metroidvania where your traversal is all done on a motorbike. It controls just like the fucking Excitebike does where you move left or right in air and it will rotate you clockwise or counterclockwise and you have to land on your wheels or you die (laughs) like Mm -hmm. you just die and you have to go back to the checkpoint and then you introduce enemies that are shooting at you your motorcycle will block bullets if it's facing the bullet so that's nice if you time a button press right you can reflect a bullet with your bike but you can only do that once before you have to recharge it by doing a 360 front flip. Mm. Pretty soon you get you start getting guns. And the guns have limited ammo, but you can, you know, aim with the right analog and, and shoot. And then to reload your gun, you do a backflip in air. <laughs> and stringing all of this shit together to progress even just a short distance from one checkpoint to another. And they have them quite close together is it feels like an accomplishment when you can get it together. Mm. This is a game that I would love to see people play a clean speed run of with no glitch attempts, not, not just plow through it because you could get so good and acrobatic and the flow state on this could be incredible if you can figure out how to contend with the controls. Uh, it's not that it controls poorly, it's just so alien to what you might be used to doing in this style of game. The setting is dark as fuck. You are the, a mother coyote in some wasteland base fighting birds that are in some army developing a secret weapon that is holding your child hostage. Like, it's... It's dark, and it warns of sexual assault and the content warnings at the beginning, so God knows how that's going to enter into this. It is fascinating and beautiful, and it has cool music, and I'm not going to play any more of it because I'm just so bad at it. <laughs> and it has, mm, it has that oh Dark man. Souls thing, you know, where you die and you can go pick up your, your thing, and it's even, like, forgiving in that <laughs> respect in that you can leave... Two bags behind before you start losing bags from death that, that you're half of whatever your currency is. I haven't even made it to a point where I can spend this currency yet. And I'm saying to myself, <laughs> no, this shit ain't happening. It's not going to happen for me as much as I would want it to because this game is really cool. But fuck me. I, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to succeed at it ever. And I have to come to terms with that. But if the idea of a furry Mad Max Metroidvania with Excitebike mechanics excites you, you should check it out because it is really well executed. I'm just bad at it. Yeah. This seems like it's going to be one of those games like, uh, what was it, My Friend Pedro? Where yes. I'm like, I think this game is great. 
I will watch someone else play it for yes. me. Yes. Leica Age Through Blood. At least check out there's a demo you can play um on Steam. And and yeah. Hey. It's it's neat as fuck. Uh, the other thing I will very quickly mention, but I can't really talk about it in any depth until next week, is I do now have a couple of the PlayStation 5 Access controllers, their upcoming accessibility controller. Uh, I can't get into specifics on it yet, but I can say I have them, and by the time we record next week, I will have a lot of thoughts to share on on them, so uh, that, that, that will be coming next week. Uh, shall we do some news? Uh, sure. I do just want to quickly say I can I can describe the Jurassic Park Classic Games Collection in a word. Yeah. Shit. Carry that is on. a word. Yeah. We can move on. <laughs> uh, so we can we can rattle through some of these quickly. Um, yet yeah, more job losses in the video game industry because they're happening all the fucking all over the fucking place at the moment. Um, Unity is is cutting a bunch of jobs. They're getting rid of. 265 jobs, which is 3.8% of its global workforce. This is specifically to do with... uh, They acquired a company called Weta FX, which is the company that does the visual effects for The Lord of the Rings. They bought them for $1.6 billion, but now they're like, nah, we're, we're ending that arrangement, and as such, 265 jobs are being lost. Uh, yet, yet another. We acquired a company, and we've decided we don't want them anymore. Yeah. Those jobs cease to exist. That that acquisition was two years ago. Fuck. They spent one point six billion two years ago, and now they're laying off three hundred jobs. To, just to shatter it. Just to unbelievable. Yeah. Other f- job loss stories we've got. It's time for Embracer again. Because, of course, Embrace is laying more people off. We talked a couple of weeks ago about there were some rumours that there were going to be, like, job cuts or downsizing or something going on with uh, the the studio uh, Free Radical, the Time Splitters studio. Yeah. It is now being confirmed to employees, apparently, that the studio's facing closure next month, which will be resulting in 900 jobs being cut. Company-wide email that went around that's like, hey... There's going to be a 30-day consultation process before redundancies can be made, but as soon as next month, the studio will be shut and you'll have no jobs. And that's not even the only Embracer layoff story we have this week. Uh, there is a developer called Fish Labs uh, that that are being hit by uh, layoffs from Embracer, with another 50 jobs being lost there. Embracer, this was referred to as a restructuring at the studio, uh, but it seems pretty clear that it's Embracer continuing to do that whole thing of we need to fucking save some money. Job losses all around at all of the places that we happen to earn. Uh, I think that's it for Embracer ones for today. It is, but I'm sure there'll be more by the time we get around to next week. We can briefly mention this because I think people who saw this the first time it did the rounds before it got the update will wonder about it if we don't bring it up. There was a story that did the rounds just after last week's episode recorded, of uh, people who were playing Assassin's Creed, uh, I think it was multiple different Assassin's Creeds that this happened in, started getting full-screen pop-ups advertising a Black Friday sale in the middle of them playing a game. I'm annoyed about this story. 
Yeah, is this is this the scrapped episode of the Jimquisition? Was this? Yes, I had. I I was almost done writing the script, and a lot of stories didn't have the updated excuse from Ubisoft. They just yeah. had the original vague one, and a lot of my script was about how they were vague and should have explained how this mistake happened, and you know, whether or not it was a mistake, they still did it. They still planned to have these things. But then their explanation that it was only meant for the main menu took so many teeth out of the issue (laughs) that there I was Sunday fucking night having to rewrite while fucking injured from that fucking match. I mean, it's still not not great that the, the full price video game you purchased... Uh, is going to display full screen adverts trying to get you to buy additional oh, video games. Oh, for sure. Yeah, is... it's still worth bringing up. But yes, originally uh, the thing that was happening in Error was a person would press the pause button to like load up the in-game map and get like a full screen ad saying 20% off this other Assassin's Creed. Go, do it. Um, it's... The fact... When and where it showed up was an accident it's still putting ads in your paid for product for sure for other paid for products it's so it's not like they didn't do a bad thing absolutely um yeah my issue like i'm definitely not saying that like it's it's very worth bringing up here uh i just i had to throw out a lot of what my script was focused on and what i had left was like yeah this is shitty but like I'm not making 20 minutes out of this. No, exactly. And it's one of those, like, I think people, a lot of people only saw the first version of this that did the rounds. And I think it's worth bringing it up to go, it's not what it originally seemed like. It's not a big story, but it it happened and it's this now. What it originally seemed like is still, you know, potentially portentous. Like, it's still, it's something they have just proven themselves capable of doing. And something that I am almost certain one of them will fucking do. Like, one of these publishers will start it. Here's the thing. If it hadn't been widely pushed back against, I feel like it would have been a great bit of advice. To the, like They'd have taken that as, hey, maybe we can do this. Maybe we didn't do it intentionally, but, you know, it's good that it got pushed back against. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh okay, so we've got a cu- couple of other couple of other stories quick. Um uh, we're still getting more updates about Epic Games and like that whole law a lawsuit that was going on to do with trying to get Fortnite onto various mobile game stores. The newest thing that's come out of this is uh according to court documents, Google at one point was considering trying to partner with Tencent to basically acquire Epic. At some point during the whole, you can't dodge around our payment system and making us money situation. They they were very much considering working with Tencent to try and do uh, a buyout. So as spotted by The Verge, unredacted documents reveal Project Electra was a strategy from 2018 where they were going to try and seek ownership or a controlling stake in Epic to make Fortnite the leading business driver for itself. President of Global Partnerships Don Harrison in July 2018 stated that investment was the only way people could realistically think of to sway them on Epic's approach to Android. And they were proposing 
spending uh, about two billion for a twenty percent stake of Epic, or potentially going to Tencent to try and either buy Tencent's shares in Epic or join up with Tencent to collectively buy a hundred percent of the company because Fortnite was big and they wanted to own Fortnite. So more potential mergers in the industry. Yeah. I don't like where it's going. Like, look at, look at where movies and TV are now. I I complained about it like moments ago. Um, Mm. And then let's apply that to an industry that has had decades of practice uh, having the most adversarial, exploitative, horrible business models. Mm. I don't like it. I don't like the idea of what could happen when mainstream gaming is boiled down to a few warring companies. Yeah. Like, it's bad enough as it is with sort of the de facto big sort of uncontested companies. Uh, butting heads like it's yeah i i don't like where this is going at all we got one other story comrade do you want to do you want to talk about the one that you dropped in the uh the yeah, chat so i thought this was this was interesting um so ea filed a patent for player voiced characters in games the idea is that players will be able to contribute voice samples and then some algorithm, I'm presuming, you know, a language model type deal, will then text to speech in the player's voice dialogue for characters in the game. And mm. I, I love this. I love this because it's such yeah. a bad idea. Like, it is <laughs> such an incredibly bad idea, first of all. Anyone who's heard their own voice recorded hates it. Yeah. Hates it. Yeah. So right out the gate, not not a winner, right? I don't think that's mm. the immersion people are looking for. I think it's actually going to feel pretty alien when a character says something in your voice that you would never say, right? Mm. And how are you going to get around that? So it for for story-based stuff, that's a, a huge stumbling block, that disconnect that the player is going to experience. I, I, delicious. I love it. But here's the thing that made me think about right away. Where are they storing all of these voice samples? Mm. Where are they storing this algorithmic data? How secure is that going to be? What accounts are it going to be linked to? How easy is it going to be for someone to acquire this information and then call your parents and say you've been kidnapped? I, I just I can't wait. I can't wait to see them try this because I I see so many, many ways it's going to be just a complete and utter fucking disaster. So the one positive spin I could put on this, and I have absolutely no doubt that this is not EA's position, but if they filed this patent with no intention of ever actually implementing it, merely to prevent anyone else from doing it, good for you, EA. They didn't. I mean, look, my concern is that they didn't, because <laughs> the problem is, look, if you tell a fucking video gamer today, hey, wouldn't it be, co-, like, 
they're not going to stop and think about the reality of it. If you tell them, hey, your voice could be in the for the character in the game, it could be you, they'd go, oh, that sounds cool, I've not done that before. And they will willingly and without reservation probably hand over a shit ton of voice samples without reading terms and conditions that are going to be used to train AI language models that are going to be used to, you know, either... As it, either try and replace like paying fucking voice actors, or you know, as as you point out, be held in ways that aren't terribly secure that will get used poorly. But like, it feels like this is just. It feels like this is here because they want to grab a shit ton of data that they can sell for training language models on. And I on. know it's awful for me to say this in light of all of the people who are likely to suffer as a direct result of it. But God, I want them to do it. It's such a bad idea. Like, it's the worst. And I want it to blow up in their faces, like, as just this complete and utter clusterfuck failure. I don't know if it's worth it on the on the exchange, like, the karmic balance that I will experience for desiring this, but it would be sweet. I'm telling you, it would be sweet. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Keep an yeah. eye out for that. Uh, it's the future. That's... <laughs> The future's fun as ever. Uh, so yeah, that's, I think, everything we got for this week. All right. Did it. We have done it. That is everything we've got on Podquisition. But it's not everything you've got, Laura, in general. You've got loads of stuff I've heard. What are they? Here, mate, what are they? What are they, mate? Well, I mean, I mean, the big one is uh, you can you can get the audiobook version of Gender Euphoria. It's out now. Oh. It is available anywhere what you, you get audiobooks. Gender Euphoria is an anthology of real, real life, gender affirming, positive stories from a bunch of, uh, just a bunch of non cis people, a bunch of trans, non binary, intersex people coming together to be like, hey, here's just a nice positive experience I had with gender. Uh, if you want to hear over eight hours of me reading some of my own stories, some from other contributors, me, me reading to you about just like positive trans stuff. That's Gender Euphoria, the audiobook. It is it's out there now. Go go check it out. Um I, I've listened to a bit of it back and um I'm quite proud of how it came out. Uh the 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 quality of that 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 fancy booth I got to record in was nice and I'm quite happy with my narrating an audiobook voice. Um other than that, Laura K. Buzz, find me everywhere on that. You know you know how to find me. Uh, Laura K. Buzz on Patreon, that's the one that pays the bills. As little as a dollar a month over there really helps. Uh, look forward to early next week the uh, Access uh, Controller for PlayStation uh, review that's going up on YouTube.com slash Laura K. Buzz. It's going to be a hefty review, so keep an eye out. Keep an eye out for that. What about you, Conrad? Where are you oh, on the internet? Oh, you can find me at Conrad Zimmerman on Twitter, Instagram, and Blue Sky. You can hang out with me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thatconradzimmerman. Uh, check out Let's Talk About Snacks, which is a podcast where I talk about snacks with my wife Linda and uh, Lauren Morgan. Um, also check out Red Planet which is a weekly leftist roundtable discussion show about how we can make the world a better place. That's Both of those are available wherever you get podcasts, uh, for the most part. Not on SoundCloud like this one, but, you know, we can't <laughs> be fancy. You can buy anti-capitalist propaganda that I make and Jimquisition merchandise, including the Pound In It tea. 
which is very, very sexy and will attract all of the, the, the partners that you desire to attract. Uh, money back, not guaranteed. And everything I do online gets supported through Patreon at patreon.com slash fistshark. And you know who else has a Patreon? Ooh. James Stephanie Sterling. Yep. That is correct. Patreon.com slash Jimquisition. That's the Patreon, which supports uh, the show and this show and the website. Uh, Up on the website, by the time this goes out, we should have the uh, my review of the Jurassic Park Classic Games Collection, which fucking hell. Um, How do you have almost no quality of life features? Just utter utter shit. Um, my next wrestling date is December 17th. Spectrum Wrestling is returning. It's going to be in Blackpool. Um, we will be announcing all the details this week. Uh, but save the date if you make it out then. Uh, we would love to have you there. December 17th. Um, got a really good match lined up for the queens of the space age myself and priscilla um it's it's going to be a lot of fun we we've got a really good card being put together uh i don't know if i'm on the pcw show that happens in the same venue later that night though i would like to be but i don't know uh other than that oh and january 13th as well i'm back in leeds for true grit wrestling um and it Seems like I'm in their Rumble match. So January 13th, I'll be back in Leeds. Uh, That's about it. Thank you all so much for listening. And we will see you next week. I'm I'm off to do some physio. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.